All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blueprint Leadership Podcast. I'm Khalith Wright, your 18th Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force. During this time, you'll hear from some of my friends and my favorite leaders. We'll discuss all things leadership. Now, our goal is to provide insights, tips, and ultimately, we'd like to help current and future leaders find their path and reach their leadership goals. We call it Blueprint, but as we all know, there's no one way to lead. We want to share our experiences, give advice, and hopefully we can help you find your path and reach your potential as the great leader that you are. I would submit to you that America is in love with its military. Our, our approval rating as an institution, as the profession of arms, has never been higher. But I would also submit to you that America is actually not in love with its senior officer corps. America is in love with its young enlisted, the, the greatest treasure in our nation's arsenal. And they expect you and I to take care of them as servant leaders. And ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is not just my boss, uh, my wingman and uh, one of my best friends, but an overall fabulous leader in our United States Air Force. He is the 21st Chief of Staff of the entire United States Air Force, General David Goldfein. Sir, welcome to the show. Hey, Chief. Well, it's just an equal honor to be with the Chief Master Sergeant of the entire United States Air Force. So uh, is there any particular experience that really was really formative uh, for you as a leader? You know, I've been, I've been blessed to have some incredible role models throughout my career. And I'm a believer that, you know, you, you don't imitate, you emulate. You know, you, you find the traits and the leaders that you admire and you try to emulate those. And it's equally important to, to, to take the examples of the leaders that you didn't particularly care for and, uh, and learn those lessons as well. You know, for me, I would say that the, some of the most formative experiences for me as a leader growing up through the ranks has been when I failed as a leader. And I believe that failure is actually uh, part and parcel of any leadership experience. And if you're not, in some ways, if you're not failing, you ain't trying, because uh, there's no way that we all get it exactly right. And for me, as I've gone back and sort of assessed, okay, what happened? What led to that bad decision? Uh, and what information was available that perhaps I didn't have or I didn't pick up on or didn't pay attention to? Who was around that I could have talked to that could have helped me with that? For me, pretty common theme is that when my gut instincts have gone against the decision I've made because I thought somebody else had more information or was talked into something I knew in my gut was really the wrong way to go, um, it's been a bad decision every single time. So I've learned over the years to refine my gut instincts and that initial reaction you get uh, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, wrote that book Blink, and one of the things he talks about in there is that initial. How do you how do you refine that gut instinct reaction that you have, right? And learn to trust it over time, because boy, when you go against your gut, uh, danger, Will Robinson. Yeah, I know. I'm, I happen to be a kind of a, a gut leader myself, and 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 you're right. It is challenging sometimes to find the right balance between. Having all the right information and and kind of going with your your gut. You talked about failure. You know, uh, you've created a culture in our Air Force that said, "Hey, it's it's okay to fail, be innovative, take risk, um, 
and you know make decisions you've pushed authority down to the lowest level at that the squadron do you think our leaders in the air, across the air force have embraced this idea that it's okay to fail i'd start off by saying uh we have accomplished that uh together and uh and i think that's part of um our brand a little bit you know in terms of what we've tried because really one of the things that you and i have tried to focus on is trust you know that, that that we start the conversation based on the fact that we trust leaders in the Air Force to get after the business and based on the fact that we trust them we're very comfortable pushing decision authority resources you know exactly down where they're needed uh, to do that and, and hopefully you know that trust goes two ways right that that uh, the force trusts us you know to, to be taking the institution in the in the right direction um, I think based on on that foundation that we've set, we've we've been able to to move the ball down the field in ways that you can't if you try to control things too much at the top. You know, think about it. You know, how how often have you and I said that? You know, for many decisions that need to be made, we don't actually add value to the decision. We just add time, right? As people crawl through broken glass to finally get to us, you know, to get a decision. And we ought to be only making decisions on things that only you and I can make. And everything else we ought to push down. I'm a, I'm a 3D guy, right? Do, delegate, and delete, right? Do what only you can do. Delegate everything else. And sometimes select all, delete is good for the soul. Right. <laughs> you know, I've developed that same philosophy just, just watching you. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's really been a, uh, a mini MBA or mini PhD in leadership uh, for me being able to watch you at Corona and with um, with with your your peers and in the way that you lead so that's that's been um, it's been really good uh, watching and I think as I travel across the Air Force we get pretty good feedback I think people like like what we're doing and uh, I'm not quite sure that everyone has embraced the it's okay to fail but but uh, but I think they trust us and, and they're trying to get after it um, I've also watched you hire um, a lot of leaders, and I watched you manage the talent in the Air Force at the highest levels. What is it that you look for when you're when you're hiring a leader? Like, what things are important to you from uh, in terms of skills, abilities, characteristics? Yeah. So the first thing I'm always looking for is character, and that's pass fail, because leadership is a gift, right? Uh, like I, I said before, it's a gift that's given by those we're privileged to lead. And you have to re-earn that gift every day. And so as a servant leader, um, you know, our airmen are wicked smart. And they will see you through a say-do gap in us in a second, right? And, uh, and, and so I'm first looking for individuals who live their life in a way that makes us all proud. And the, other, and the, reason, the other reason the character is so important is that, you know, American parents entrust their sons and daughters to us, and they expect us to take care of them. You know, I often remind officer groups, especially as higher in ranks, I say, hey, you know, let's just make sure that we're very clear on uh, America right now has great trust and confidence in its, in its military. But America is not in love, nor it should be, with its officer corps or its senior NCO Corps, America expects us to take care of young airmen. That's who they're in love with, and that's who they should be in love with. So it starts, with, it starts and ends with me with, for character. And then after character, actually, I'm looking for growth. 
does is this an individual who actually has the potential to grow in the job or have they hit their glass ceiling are they an old dog that just can't learn too many new tricks you know if have they have they sort of figured it all out because i don't know about you but i i ain't got it all figured out i'm i'm growing every day you know in this job and so once we stop growing we stop learning and once we stop learning we stop listening and you know we always talk about together squinting with our ears out there you know part of that is making sure that we are listening to this force paying attention to what matters to them and not uh, mirror imaging on what we think it's like for them because that's what it was like for us you know so for me it's about character and growth and so sometimes you know we get it wrong though right so what what advice would you have for you know the leader who initially uh, looks for character, they look for growth, they look for competence or whatever is important to them, only to discover at, at later on that, hey, I think I selected the wrong, the wrong person. What does it take to, to, to be able to, to move forward? You know, people, people come to us with three uh, attributes, skills, knowledge, and talent. Two of them are actually teachable. One of them is hardwiring. And so you can actually teach someone the right skills, and you can teach and give someone the right knowledge. Um, you can't rewire their talent. And there's a couple of times where I failed uh, terribly as a leader because I thought by the power of my personality, and quite frankly, if I have to be honest, my ego, I thought, well, I can rewire this person for success. It never works, right? They are, they are it's just, it's hardwiring, right? They. They're wired in a certain way. And, and you know what's, what's tragic about that when you keep somebody in the wrong position for too long? Um, it's actually tragic for them because deep down, they know it. They know that they're, they're in a position that they're just not wired to succeed in. And so, you know, for me, I try to first determine, okay, what's going on here? Is this a skills problem? Is this a knowledge problem? Or is this a talent problem? Or is this a hardwiring? And then if it's hardwiring, make the change. Don't delay because every day you delay. I mean, I had, a, I had a subordinate commander once. I just didn't particularly like the, the way he commanded. And, um, but he only had six months left, and I was new in command, and I took the easy route, which was I didn't dig into it. I didn't really go and look. And then it was after he left that everything came out, how toxic that environment was. Uh, how toxic it was for he and his spouse. They were both toxic as a command team. And for six months, that organization had to endure him. And guess whose fault that was? All mine. All mine. Because I, I, I knew there was something there, and I chose the easy path and dig, didn't dig into it. And it was talent. He was just wired absolutely wrong for what we were asking him to do. So... That's what I would offer. I would say that's that's a, a great lesson because, you know, I've watched you during our time together, um, both mentor uh, other commanders about that same issue. Hey, don't just let someone hang around just because they have a little bit of time left. And I've also watched you uh, ask uh, senior leaders to step away. Um, and so that's that, that's a, honestly a great lesson. This is a tough job. What's what's the toughest part for you? Um, I think, quite frankly, it's, uh, it's a ch trying to achieve the right balance between the urgent and the important. Because it's so easy to get captured by the urgent and forget what's important. 
And one of the ways that happens to us at senior leaders is we, we, you know, our schedule all of a sudden, you know, gets full, you know, and you have 15 meetings and then, you know, you, and they're, you know, in 15 to 20 minute duration, right? And you are just, you are hitting the tactical alligators that are just swamping the boat around you. And the problem for that, the real problem with that is that over time, we actually become less effective in our roles because your job, my job together as a team, we're all, we got to be thinking about five, ten years down the road. Our, you know, you know, I'm the 21st chief, and I think one of my jobs is to build the Air Force that Chief 24 can win with. And Chief 24 just turned Brigadier General, right? And and Chief 24, you know, she's going to go to war in 2030 with the force that you and I build. And to to put the kind of thought into building that kind of a force that can win you know, against China or Russia or who knows in 2030 means we got to be looking down the road. And uh, and that's important. But to many, that's not urgent. Right. And so how do you get that part right? Yeah, I, I think, uh, and I'm, we both can probably attest to this, uh, helping, helping with that is the staff that we have around us. And uh, our staffs work pretty, pretty closely together because I think from the outside, everybody's stuff is urgent to them. It may not be, be urgent or, and sometimes may not even be important to us, but, uh, having a great staff, I think definitely, definitely helps. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think for both of our staffs, I always tell them, you know, that's funny for, in your, in my world, you know, there's, it's always sunny and there's always palm trees blowing and, you know, things just show up and there's a vehicle there and there's an airplane there. And the reality is, there's, that only happens because we got folks around us who are taking care of so many details that we don't have to worry about so we can focus on those big things. Right. No, I can attest that. We, we both have great teams, and, and uh, they, they really do take care of us. How, how do you maintain balance? You know, we travel quite a bit. I, I might travel just a little bit uh, more than you, but we, uh, we also keep up pretty hectic schedules between being on the hill um, all the other things here in the D.C. area with industry and, and, and obviously all the challenges in the Air Force. Uh, how, how do you and Miss Dawn maintain the right balance and keep yourself sane? How do you keep yourself sane? Yeah. So, <laughs> so we have a little thing, you know, so when I get home, uh, you know, God bless them, my, my team, you know, sends me home with a bag of homework uh, every night. And uh, uh, can we just say that it never gets looked at at night, right? So when I get home, that's Dawn time. You know, so I get home and uh, we got these little, you know, and you've been over to the airhouse, just an incredible home that um, I'm privileged to live in, the Airman's home. And uh, it looks out over the mall, you know, and the Washington Monument, just this unbelievable view. And we put a, we have a little table and two chairs and we just sit there at night and uh, and just talk, you know, and unwind from the day and compare notes. And then we... Uh, FaceTime, much to my daughter's chagrin, you know, we FaceTime with the grandkids every night, got to do it, right? And uh, and that's our time together. And then, uh, but, it, you know, then pick it up the next day, right? Then it's, the Air, then it's Air Force time. And so, you know, if you try to look at balance in your life as a math equation, uh, ain't going to happen, right? You, it's a, you, you're going to fail miserably and get very depressed because there's no way you're going to spend as much waking hours at home as you do at work, right? So it can never be a math equation. It's better to look at it, which is when you're there, are you present, right? So when you're at work, are you present at work? And when you're at home, are you present at home? 
Right, and, and if you can do that, if you can if you can disconnect, turn the phone off, you know, and be present at home when you're at home, um, that's probably about the best you're going to do. Yeah, I I think I learned uh, over the years to focus more on energy management than time management. You know, there's sometimes I I have the time I have the time to spend with Tanya or or whomever, but uh, if I don't have the right level of energy because I'm too tired, then you know. Then, then you end up not being present. The, we've talked about this several times, and it's something that's that uh, I think troubles troubles both of us. But uh, suicide in our our air force. So, you know, we've got some record number of airmen that have taken their own lives this year. And we we asked a couple of months ago, we asked all of the wing commanders to do what we considered a resilience tactical pause, just have some dialogue about about suicides and and our our a1z team and leaders across the air force have have been uh trying to get after it how, how are you feeling about this this issue now where do you think we are uh what do you think we should be doing different or better well i think like you um, i feel terrible about our numbers this year right we're having one of the worst years we've had in uh in you know at least a decade and so i read like you uh every you know, loss of an airman, uh, and it just just crushes you after a while. So, you know, so what do you do about it, right? What are we doing about it? Part of this is the way I think you and I have approached a lot of the challenges, you know, and the opportunities we face as an Air Force, and that is, first of all, let's let's decide uh, where we're going to have the most impact. And I don't believe there is any program that you and I can inflict on the force that will get after this. Uh, if there was, we would have already done it. And so the way to get after this, quite frankly, is at the unit level. And the lowest echelon of command team is they're going to have the most impact. And this is actually at flight level. You know, that flight chief, flight commander are going to probably have, and the civilian equipment are going to are really going to have the most impact because they're the, they're, that's that level of leadership and command where you really get to know your people. I mean, you know them personally by name. You know their families the higher you go in the organization, the more that's the dip, more difficult that becomes because just the size of the organization. So it's where those personal relationships occur in leadership. And again, if leadership truly is a gift that you got to re-earn every day, it means you know reaching out and connecting with our airmen, uh, Big A, Active Guard, Reserve, and civilians. Then we're going to have the most impact. So I think our messaging has been effective in terms of trying to push again, this authority down. And, you know, one of the things that you and I talked to the wing commanders about was, hey, don't make this a one and done. Don't check the square, right? Make this your own. That's why we didn't, that's why we didn't make it one full day stand down across the Air Force. I mean, that may have made us feel better, but it wouldn't have, really wouldn't have accomplished much uh, because commanders wouldn't have had a chance to actually make it truly their own and make it personal. So that's why we gave them that 45-day window. And, oh, by the way, we're still in the window for the Guard and Reserve, right? We, we, we specifically gave them a longer window because of drill weekends and the opportunity to actually get the force over a period of time. And so what I asked commanders to do was, hey, you know, make it personal. And if you're comfortable, show a little bit of vulnerability. You know, sometimes airmen look at us and they think, my goodness, their, their lives are perfect. There's no challenges. They're, you know, and then that tends to become more of a burden on them, you know, because it's the, okay, well, they're, they're perfect. I mean, I think social media plays it in a way that 
can be negative. There's positive aspects, but, but there's a negative piece, which is that I forget what uh, somebody told me. It was like the the perfect Facebook, you know, poor profile, right? Where all the pictures are happy and everyone's, you know, out there looking great. And if you're in a if you're in, in suffering from depression, if you're working through some challenges and issues, and the the world around you looks happy and perfect, it can it can actually feed into that depression. And so we're gonna get after this, you know, one leader and one airman at a time. You know, this is going to be just a continual full contact sport. I think one of the best things that has happened uh, from this us beginning this discussion is that more people are talking about it. More people are being vulnerable. More people are using social media. More people are actually revealing that, hey, that Facebook, perfect Facebook page is actually not so perfect. Let me tell you how I'm really feeling. And uh, the young man, uh, Adrian, who who emailed you and I, uh, he, I asked him to, um, you know, put a, put a video together for us to just to kind of tell us how he was really feeling. And he, and he talked about that exact same thing that, Hey, I'm, I'm walking around and I'm smiling, but, uh, I'm, I'm hurting on the inside. And, and he thought it was important that his peers, uh, hear what, what he was really thinking. So, um, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm hopeful that uh, this this will turn this around, but I'm but I'm I'm thankful that more of our airmen are talking about it, and that it's a little bit of uh, self healing. So you know we've invested more resources in mental health and 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 some of those other areas, but but I also like to see that lots of airmen are taking care of each other in, in this arena. Lots more airmen are are connected. You know, I was a squadron. I was in a squadron commander's course, and one of the guest speakers was uh, General uh, Hal Hornberg who at the time was uh, commander of Air Combat Command. And somebody asked him in the class, they said, hey, sir, what's the mo- one of the most memorable moments you've had in all of your command tours? And he didn't, he didn't pause for a second. He said, well, he goes, let me tell you a story. He goes, I was uh, actually a, a wing commander, and a senior NCO walked up to me and said, hey, General Hornberg, you don't remember me, but I was actually in your group. And you had a commander's call, and you talked about suicide, and you had a specialist that was there with you that talked a little bit about it. What you don't know is I was in the stands. I had tried to complete that morning and and failed, and I was in the stands contemplating how to complete the act that night. And you pointed out that specialist. I went and saw him, and I've been talking to him ever since. And you just need to know that I, you saved my life that day, and I just made senior mass sergeant, right? So, so he said, he said, you know, the lesson to you, young commanders, is don't don't ever underestimate the importance of you talking about this issue. Don't don't ever forget that it may get repetitive for you, but it's a new audience every time you speak. So get out there and talk about these tough issues. And I never forgot that story. Um, let's transition a little bit. Uh, you you wrote a book, um, sharing success and owning failure. Uh, big hit. Lots of lots of folks around the Air Force have have, and I'm I presume outside of the Air Force. Can you talk about just that concept? I mean, you you wrote about a lot of good things from um, your time as as a wing commander and your time as a squadron commander, but uh, just this concept of uh, we should share success uh, with our our teammates and, and own the failures. How, how did you come to that as the title and and uh, yeah? So I was interesting. So I just come out of squadron command in uh, in Italy. You know, getting a chance to lead a squadron into combat and was in. You know, senior professional military education with the State Department for a year, 
And one of the uh, tasks they, that they gave us was to take an entire month and focus on just a writing project. And you could pick your topic and you would write for a month. That's all you did for a month. And so this, what, what became that book is what I wrote. And my sole intent at the time was actually just having a paper that I could hand as a group commander, which was my next level of command I was told that I was going to at the time. I wanted to have something I could hand to my squadron commanders and say, hey, here's some things that I think. Here's how I think, and maybe it will help you in command. You know, so this is really a, it was, it was purely a mentoring paper uh, that, I put, that I, I put together. And the, the title really came from sort of what I'd learned at a squadron command, which is, you know, you, you share every success. But when, the, when things go badly, it, that's, that's why you, you get paid the big bucks, right? That's on the commander. And when you think about the loneliness of command that people talk about, you know, for me, I actually never felt lonely in terms of who I was dealing with every day. That was, that was, I was never lonely. The lon- loneliness of command is when the institution is failing or you fail as a leader and that's something that you have, a, it's hard to share that. So the book was written in a conversational style uh, with other inputs. And I, what I did, it was asked others to say, hey, we've all flunked in command. How about let's all share what we've learned so, so the, that readers can come up with their own failures, right, not repeat ours. And so it's written in this you know, conversational, you know, Friday afternoon mentoring session style. And I think that resonated. So uh, we're working right now on book two. Mm-hmm. I'm honored, uh, really honored that uh, you've agreed to write the forward to it. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, right now our title is, you know, Connect, Share, Learn, Thoughts on Leadership. And we're, we're, we're going to try to roll it out. You know, right now our initial target is uh, February, March time frame. But uh, for sure I want to roll it out before June. And it's going to be, you know, a, sort of a continuation of the same uh, style, right? But it, but it picks up on what book one was all about because I've gotten some interesting feedback over the years. Probably the most important feedback has been from spouses oh, wow. who have said, hey, where's my chapter? Mm. You know, you, you talk about me as part of the command team and you ask me to do things as part of this command team, but, you know, where's my chapter, you know, where you're sharing with me? So Don and other spouses have actually contributed. So there's going to be a chapter and threaded throughout the book is, Okay, and this whole command team concept. What's the, what are some things we got to share with spouses as they go forward? So I'm excited about it. I'm uh, we're working hard on it, and I'm hoping to get her out before June. I'm looking forward to to reading it. No no pun intended. And looking forward to uh, writing the forward. Um, so you better have your team uh, pencil in some book signing time for your last few months in the in the in the seat because I know people will be excited to to hear it. Lots of tough challenges in the in the world, uh, Russia, China, Space Force. Lots of things happening in your world. Uh, what keeps you up at night, boss? You know, I uh, I always love whenever I hear that question, I I, I steal it because I love the way Secretary Mattis answered it. Right? He said he said he said what was it? he said nothing keeps me up at night. I keep everybody else up at night. Right? Um, you know, I, I will tell you that uh, that I wouldn't say it keeps me up at night. I will tell you that I I do think a lot about. Uh, what I call a, a leader's uh, mirror check. This is what you ought to be thinking about first thing in the morning when you look in the mirror and last thing at night before you go to bed, right? And the question is, is every airman that we send into battle um, properly organized, trained, equipped, and well-led, courageously led, 
so that they can get the nation's business done. And then when they return home to their families, we've taken care of them while they're gone. That, that to me is the essence of our moral obligation that we have in this gift called leadership. And so uh, what I, I wouldn't say I worry about it, but I focus on is that, how, how do we ensure, how do you and I as the leaders of the institution, how do we ensure that we are, we are preparing airmen to do the nation's business? And that's not necessarily always going forward. That's a big part of it. But, you know, we, get, we're all, we have folks right now that are standing the watch guarding the nation in cyber. We have folks that are white now. I mean, we provide GPS for the world. And we have folks that are you know, guarding the nation, standing the watch. We have folks right now that are, that are 67 feet down in a, in a missile launch facility in the northern tier, right, that, are, that have their, their hands on the most destructive weaponry on the planet. So when you take a look at all the things that we do as an Air Force, I think that's, that's what uh, I think is our obligation as leaders to make sure those airmen are prepared every day. And of all of those, being organized, being properly trained, being properly equipped, uh, and being courageously led, I, I think the courageously led part, you know, I've heard you talk about that's our most important contribution is uh, ensuring that uh, we have the right leaders in the right place. And, and, and I think we've, both of us have, have focused during our, our tenure on building the right leaders. And, and um, I think so Chief 24 will, will, will be in good hands. Uh, I think we'll transition. We had uh, a few internet questions that we want to uh, have you answer. So I'm going to turn it over to CMAS Sergeant Harry Bubba Kibbe. All right. Thank you very much, Chief. General, question number one comes from Facebook. Danielle would like to know, what does it mean to be vulnerable as a leader, and do you have any recent examples? I think more than anything, it, uh, that vulnerability is to show a little bit of who you are. You know, air, airmen, airmen want to know that we're real people, right, that we have uh, – aspirations, that we have limitations, that we have uh, challenges, that we, you know, that, that our world is not, nobody's world is perfect. And so I think that vulnerability is to share a bit of yourself uh, when you're out and about. And, you know, I, I saw a great example of that very recently. I had an opportunity just to travel uh, through the AOR and Middle East with uh, our new Secretary of the Air Force, Secretary Barrett. And somebody asked her in an all call, you know, about this same issue of vulnerability. And she, she didn't hesitate for a second. She says, well, you know, I lost my dad when I was 13 years old, and I was the oldest of six siblings on a ranch. We were a poor family. And I immediately had to take over the responsibility of one of the, bread, the breadwinner in the family and taking care of my siblings, you know. And this is a person who went on to be a CEO, you know, an uh, incredibly successful uh, not only entrepreneur, business leader, ambassador to Finland. I mean, her resume is unbelievable, right? But in that in that moment on stage with those airmen, she opened herself, you know, shared some vulnerability about her personal past. And I think that, you know, if you believe like I do, that there's not a single all call we could go back to right now and ask, if you ask everybody, hey, what the chief say? You know, <laughs> for both of us, right, they say, I don't know. You know, he talked to he was up there on the stage and you know, I, he, was, he talked a lot, right? But then if you asked him, okay, how'd they make how'd you make how'd they make you feel? Most of them will be able to tell you, yeah, they made us feel valued, respected, you know. 
And in that moment, our secretary, I think, really made that airman who asked and everybody in that all call feel like we're human and we're vulnerable. Thank you, General. That's a great example. Um, I thought you might talk about seeing Chief Wright be vulnerable when he was singing with the Air Force Band. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I still got that. I got that on my, I got that on my cell phone. Oh, man. General Leslie from Twitter would like to know, what do you tell aspiring leaders who want to know how they can follow in your footsteps? Yeah, so first um, I will tell you that there's no one path to uh, the top, and it's a journey, not a destination. If you get focused on the destination, then you end up, you know, A, a adding it way, way too much stress in your life, and you miss a lot of great opportunities for growth along the way. So, you know, I get, I, I, I don't know how many times I've talked to a young airman, you know, brand new, and they'll say, sir, what are you, you know, I mean, I'll tell you about this one great lunch I was having at, uh, at Lackland, and they had taken some young, uh, not even graduated folks in BMT to have lunch with the chief. And I got this young, you know, cadet, right, who asked me, hey, sir, you know, she, she asked me, she goes, uh, I don't know how I get some of those. She pointed to my stars, right? And I said, well, having lunch with the chief, you know, that's not a bad start, you know. I said, but let, let me be honest with you. I said, there's only one way, and that is be the very best at what you're doing right now. Be the very best, you know, young airman in this course and then when you go to your tech school be the very best to graduate from tech school and when you end up at your first location you work hard to be the very best at whatever it is that we've asked you to do because by being the best you will make the impression that sets you up for whatever it is that you want to do and so if they if we focus our airmen on that journey it's an incredible opportunity and there's so many things that you can do along the way that are not only fun, but that will allow you to grow. If you focus too much on the destination, I fear that uh, you may, we may miss out. Would you have ever asked the chief of staff that question when you were a young cadet? I, I think when I was a young cadet, I couldn't pick the chief of staff of the Air Force out of a lineup, <laughs> you know. But I will tell you, I think I've used the story on the road, and it's just I love it, right? So we were in Bagram together, the chief and I, right? And this young airman, I mean, pretty young, probably on a, for sure on a first deployment, you know, is looking at his chief master sergeant of the Air Force, right? And, I mean, got a, a lot of folks around him, and he came up to me, and he pulled on my arm, and he goes, hey, dude, he said, take a picture of me and the chief. <laughs> you know, so, so of course, my answer was absolutely, right? So I grabbed his cell phone, you know, and he's still, I mean, I mean, we walk, I walk up to the chief, and I said, hey, chief, hey, take a picture of this young airman, would you? And so, you know, <laughs> You got that big, you know, put your arm around this airman, right? And I and I told that airman, I said, okay, focus right here, you know, on my on the stars. And he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's perfect. We had a similar experience a couple weeks ago, if you don't mind me telling you. Yeah. Um, Herschel Walker was at Andrews. We were doing a, um, a conference there. And um, Herschel Walker, whenever he is in the room, he's the one everyone wants to take pictures with, um, one of the greatest football players of all time. Airmen, after Chief and, and Mr. Walker were done talking, airmen were lined up to get their picture taken, and Herschel was ready to take pictures with him, and some people handed him <laughs> the camera, and he's like, he's, and for a brief second, he handled it really well, but yeah. uh, for a brief moment there, he ended up taking pictures of several airmen with Chief. Yeah. That says a lot. I mean, our airmen, our airmen love, our, love their Chief. All right, we have one final question, sir just came in on reddit and the question is how important is feedback to leaders and how can you help leaders receive feedback 
I'd say it's both incredibly important and hard to do well. And it actually becomes harder the older the individual gets that you're giving feedback to. It's actually, you know, young airmen, it's sort of a natural, almost a paternal instinct that, or a maternal instinct that kicks in that says, okay, I want to spend time mentoring you know, this young person, right? Uh, it's actually harder sometimes to mentor a more senior officer or NCO who, but actually, if they're in the growth industry, back to the original discussion we had about, you know, what I look for in a leader, if they're in the growth industry, they actually require mentoring. And the higher we go as we get this rank, right, the more people tell us what we think they think we want to hear as opposed to give us real feedback. So not only is it incredibly important to do, but I would also offer to those out there, you know, those especially in, you know, in wing command, right, let's, let's do a mirror check here. How, how often have you been spending with your chiefs and your group commanders giving them meaningful feedback? because they need it actually as much as the young airmen that you're spending time with. Um, and that goes for us all the way all the way up the chain. Thank you, General Goldfein. As always, for the listeners out there, also thank you. And if you'd like to reach General Goldfein, he's on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and back to you, Chief. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Harry. Um, so we, we're running out of time here, boss. But, uh, you know, the history books will will show that you revitalized squadrons. You really um, got us thinking about developing joint leaders and teams, advancing multi-domain command and control. Uh, you brought in AFWIC, Air Force Warfighting Integration Center. Um, you've revamped the officer evaluation system. You've done a lot of lot of great things for our Airmen and Air Force. What 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 do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to remember you for? Yeah. So first, I'll 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 push back a little bit, uh, and with with because I've learned over the years, right? When it when it, when I've been mentored by chiefs, right, which has been some of the best uh, mentoring I've ever gotten. They always start with with all due respect, right? Then you know something good's coming, right? So uh, so I'll just start off by saying uh, everywhere you just said uh, you, we we got to turn into we, right? Be, 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 beginning with you and me as a team. And then also the broader team in terms of what we as a team have been able to move forward. Uh, and then when it comes to legacy, I actually think there's only one legacy that matters that's lasting. And that's those we've invested in to replace us. And have we, uh, you know, because we're all in the launch business. And the question is, who have we launched? And have we launched those who perhaps don't look or sound like us? And do we understand that the value of diversity is a warfighting imperative? And that, you know, just just like the analogy of the launch business, um, we also have a red guarded switch uh, to, to destruct if that, if that individual we are launching starts going off course and looks like it's going to damage a population, right? We have a way of, of, uh, of destructing uh, that. So... Uh, to me, that's the most important thing that you ever leave behind, right? Is that or who did you who did you see who did you and I see um, potential in that they didn't see in themselves, and then we perhaps opened a door here, uh, we presented an opportunity there, but we didn't walk in ahead of them and then pull them through. We actually walked them up to the door and then stood back, 
and then they walked through. And then, you know, as we look back, you know, years from now, you and I, you know, sitting around a fire pit with a cigar and a adult beverage, and I'm hoping, <laughs> you know, and Don and Tanya, and we're just sort of looking back. You know, what I think we'll be most proud of is looking at the leadership team of the United States Air Force and Chief 24 and Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force 35 and, 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 and looking at, okay, that individual was, you know, one of the, one of the ones, you know, that we saw some potential in and we opened a door. That, I think, is the, the only legacy we leave behind that actually lasts. Yeah, I, I think, you know, people will, uh, they'll, they'll remember you as a great general and a pretty cool dude. So, uh, um, so our our time as the the chief and chief team in in this air force is almost up. Uh, we're we're both I think inside of uh, a year. Uh, what are you planning to do next? So first of all, I say we're not quite dead yet. <laughs> right? We got we got we got to run through the tape together. We got we got a lot of things to do, boy. We got a space force. We got to build. Boy, that's exciting! Exciting. Talk about being part of the history. I mean, we're present at the creation of something new and exciting. And I think part of what you and I got to do is make sure we build this foundation on trust and confidence, right? Because this is a, this is a marriage, uh, not a divorce, right? This is something powerful and very positive. And we got to build it in a way that's, you know, built on trust and confidence and a foundation of trust. But at the same time, we got to give this new service room to develop its own unique service culture that's oriented towards space and warfighting. And so that I think is a, a big part of what you know we got left on our plates. Mm-hmm. I think that we got to cement in the work we've done on joint leader development and joint warfighting um, as we uh, as we really shift to that air force we need to be able to fight and win in that 2030 and beyond time frame. And and so there's a lot of work to uh, to be done. And then what comes next? I'll tell you that uh, here's here's as much thought as I put into it. Um, my focus is going to be number one to be a really good husband uh, that I have you know in in a way that I'm perhaps I haven't been able to be right because of the time constraints. Uh, a really good son, you know. My I'm going to go move back to where my mom lives and uh, my my in-laws live. A really good father because we'll be in the same state as our daughters, our son-in-laws, and our and a really great world-class grandpa or papa to our granddaughters. Uh, so that's that's job one. And I will tell you that you know Don has been with me on this journey. We were high school sweethearts. We met over forty you know four decades ago. Uh, we've been in this Air Force for will be thirty-seven years, and uh, it's now about her. And so. Um, we're going to go live exactly where she wants to live in a house that she wants to live in. And I've told her I have very few requirements from, uh, from here on out. So, uh, I'm, I'm, well, I, I say, I, you know, I look forward to the next chapter. It's still so far out for me that, uh, that, that we got to, we got to, we got, we got, we got miles to go yes, between now and June and, uh, and for sure can't let up on the gas. Well, I'll keep my eyes on that plot of land next to yours in yeah. San Antonio. So, yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, any final thoughts for our listeners, boss? No. Uh, actually, I would just say this: that you know, of all of the leadership, of of all of the personnel decisions, 
I made as chief, the most important one I made was selecting you as chief mass sergeant of the Air Force. And when you get that right, you know, between an officer and a NCO, you know, a, a general and a chief, man, it's magic and it's poetry, you know. And uh, this has been perhaps one of, the, one of the funnest part of the journey is being able to do this with you and with Tanya. And uh, I just feel blessed every day that we get a chance to work together. Yes, sir. Thank you. We we definitely appreciate the support and the, and the friendship. We've had a lot of great times, a lot of great laughs. So so thank you. Um, well, thanks again, sir, for being a, a great guest and taking the time out to talk about some important leadership topics. Uh, I'm sure our airmen really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun, but I'm, uh, I know you have some things to get back to, and, and so do I. Uh, let me just take a minute to thank uh, the SAFPA team, um, Harry and Tony and Sergeant Shinzato and Sergeant Walters, Joe and everybody that helped out with the, the podcast. Um, and lastly, let me thank uh, all of our current and future leaders out there uh, who are trying to become the best uh, leaders that they can be. If you want to find out more about uh, what we're doing in the Office of the Chief Master in the Air Force, check out Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. This has been your Blueprint Leadership Podcast. I'm Chief Master Sergeant Kay Wright. And thanks for listening. And always remember, if better is possible, good is never enough. And you are your greatest competition. <laughs>